Shabbat Shalom, Shabbat Shalom. Shabbat Shalom, Rabbi. And we're just about finishing up Purim. Did you join us yesterday? Yeah. You out there, did you do something fun? Did you celebrate in some way? Watch us online. You know, it's especially important, especially during dark and difficult days, to express joy. Even silliness. I'm always suspicious of people who don't have a sense of humor. Have you noticed that dictators and power-hungry autocrats never seem to laugh? Especially at themselves, right? Every little dig is mortally offensive to them. It wounds them to their core. So don't forget to laugh. Whatever you're dealing with, and all of you out there, wherever you are around the world, don't forget to laugh. It will help you to appreciate the miracle of being alive. And speaking of miracles, the Bible offers two models of salvation, two approaches to overcoming what seem to be impossible odds. The first model is what we're reading through during these weeks, right in the book of Exodus. You know about that, Fisher? It's bar mitzvah tomorrow. That's what we're reading about in these weeks. That's the first model of salvation. And I think you know the narrative well. God controls practically everything. God overturns the law of nature, the laws of nature inflicting the ten plagues. God splits the sea, God destroys the Egyptian army, God provides manna from heaven, God is revealed at Mount Sinai in this divine fireworks of thunder and lightning and smoke. In the book of Exodus, you can't miss the presence of God. The Israelites themselves actually had a little do, little to do with the great deliverance. Mostly, they didn't act. They were acted upon. The second model of salvation is what we've just lived through in the last 24 hours. It's described in the book of Esther that we should have been studying yesterday or today. Here, God is silent. God is never mentioned in any of the 10 chapters of the scroll. Deliverance during the days of Esther was dependent on human action. Naturally, every character in the Esther story is flawed. They're human. Nonetheless, limited and flawed human beings save the day. Centuries after God saved the Israelites from Egypt, a human being, Esther, she saved the Jews of Persia. And Jewish sages recognize the historical evolution that is inherent in the Bible from the redemption of Egypt, where God covers everything, to the redemption of Persia, where God is not even mentioned in the scroll. And the Talmud links these two episodes, these two models of salvation, in this brilliant way. The sages teach in the Talmud that when the Israelites arrived at Mount Sinai, 
God overturned the mountain and threatened the Israelites, accept the covenant or I will drop the mountain on your head. Sensing that this type of coercion cannot really constitute a true covenant between God and the Jewish people, the Talmud quickly adds, even so, the Israelites reaffirmed the covenant in the days of Ahasuerus. Now, if the rabbis felt that the original covenant at Sinai was flawed, why did they suggest that they reaffirmed it of all times during the time of Esther, when God plays no apparent role at all? And it's not even, God is not even mentioned in the biblical text. Why not reaffirm the covenant, say, during the time of Joshua? When, remember the story, the walls of Jericho came tumbling down. Or when in the middle of the battle, the sun and the moon stood still unless and until Joshua defeated the enemy. I think the reason is that a faith that is reliant on miracles is a weak faith. If one day we were to witness an impossible event, say, I don't know, a house elevating 50 feet above ground every day at the same time of day, contrary to all the laws of gravity, we might come to believe. But it would not be a free belief. We would have been manipulated into believing. For this reason, the signs and wonders of Egypt were unsustainable in the long run. The effect wears off quickly. Pharaoh quickly changed his mind after each and every plague. His decision to free the slaves lasted only for a moment. The Israelites started complaining only three days after the miracle of the splitting of the Red Sea. Three days! And they started complaining about everything, including the bad food that dropped miraculously from the heavens. It didn't take long for disbelief, rebelliousness, and apostasy to set in. And therefore, the conquest of the Promised Land couldn't happen immediately. It took 40 years of wandering in the desert for the Israelites to understand deeply and to know deeply, to be refined as metal is refined, say the rabbis of the Talmud, so that they would become less reliant on God and more reliant on themselves. They needed to learn how to surmount their own challenges so that they could chart a future that was deserving. The rabbis never encouraged people to rely on miracles from God, never. They teach one should never put himself in a dangerous situation and say a miracle will save me. Perhaps the miracle will not come. Judaism's approach to history assumes that as the eras unfold, miracles of obvious divine intervention, sound and light and thunder and plagues and seas splitting, these become less prominent and human deeds become more prominent. It's the reason that by the time of the book of Esther, God isn't even mentioned at all. Over time, some Jewish thinkers came to understand miracles 
not as some supernatural occurrence, but as an unexpected occurrence. We might describe the recovery of a patient who survives a fatal disease, contrary to all known medical science, as a miracle. What we mean is not a supernatural event that upended the laws of nature, but a recovery so astoundingly, so incomprehensively and unexpected as to render it astonishing in our eyes, a miracle. In this sense, we can describe the production of COVID-19 vaccines as a miraculous scientific accomplishment. Not that it upended the laws of nature as described in the book of Exodus, or that it was the result of direct divine intervention. Rather, this accomplishment of the production of COVID-19 vaccines is so astounding, so unexpected, and so speedy as to astonish us. We shuddered the synagogue and went into COVID mode exactly a year ago, this week. Can you believe that? It's already been a year, a year of our lives. Last year's Purim spiel, was anybody here for that Purim spiel last year? Many of you. Last year's Purim spiel was the last mass event in this sanctuary for our community. And I remember it vividly. I remember shaking hands with an Israeli woman who introduced me to her child right over there. She was sitting right over there. That was my last handshake. I haven't shaken another person's hand in a year. It seemed so long ago when hundreds of people celebrated and rejoiced in our sanctuary, maskless, and merrymaking. My message to you on this day when we celebrated the miracles of days gone by, to keep the faith, stay hopeful. Slowly but ineluctably, humanity is wrestling this pathogen to the ground. May it be that by next Purim, we're back here in our hundreds, the kids parading around in costumes, and our adults making fun of themselves at the Purim spiel, delighting young and old alike. And when that blessed day arrives, when we finally prevail over this virus, we will be able to describe that day as a miracle. Not because God intervened with sound and fury, but because God's supreme creation, human beings, learned how to defeat a mortal threat. We learned to do it through the God-given gifts bestowed upon us. Human initiative, inventiveness, creativity. We learned how to trust and rely on one another again. 
as Mordechai said to Esther in one of the key passages of the Megillah. Do not imagine that you of all Jews will escape with your life. Who knows? But you have attained this position for just such a crisis. You have to do it yourself, Esther. You are the instrument of deliverance. Amen. <laughs>